Hello everyone, what's up? I'm a Maxter, or Max, and this is Outox, the show where we interview game developers. And on this episode, we have uh, Kenton and The Wreck on, who are from Oxeni Games. Uh, they're making Cobalt, or nowadays they're making Cobalt Wasd. Hello. First of all, Kenton, uh, what do you do at the studio? So, uh, <clears throat> I mostly uh, draw graphics and do level design and uh, some music and uh, audio editing. So a lot of stuff. Yes. And well, the Rex. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what do you do? Um, mostly I program, push updates. I guess make some art as well. Yeah. Art level design. Level design. Mm-hmm. Sound design. Sound design. So there's level a little bit design. of overlap. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. we do most things. Daniel yeah. is the coder. Mm-hmm. Right, and how many other people are there on the studio? Uh, no one, I guess. It's mostly Jens, I think, if we're counting someone. Yeah, well, it is Jens. So it's, yeah. the studio consists of uh, me, Kinten, or Pontus, Daniel, uh, or Derek, and Jens go by the name Jed. Mm-hmm. Right, and he's probably busy with Minecraft a lot. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's his main occupation. Yeah. <laughs> he will come by sometimes and. Right. So you're the doing. two full-time developers. Yes. yes. Cool. Uh, so how did you start a studio? Uh, 2003, maybe. Yeah. But how? How? Um, well, we found. Uh, well, Pontus found uh, a game called Whispers in the Cara that was being developed by Jens in the early. 2000s and it was MMO and he thought we could help so we did so we contacted him and helped him out for a couple of years with like just sprites and level design and Mm -hmm. playing and then eventually when I started studying at the university um, I moved to the city next to where Jens was living that way we met in real life and eventually started sort of making games together Mm -hmm. right physically and that kind of extended because um, once Yen's kind of became part of Mojang, uh, Mojang was your publisher, right? Yes. Yes. They sort of um, recruited us into the, the yeah. that, loving that's... embrace of Mojang. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another story in itself, I think. I, the, the Whispers in a Carrot thing, I think, was in 2001. And then in 2004, I think Oxai was formed. I wasn't a part of Oxai in the early beginning, but I... Uh, jumped on in 2005 but I clearly remember like Jens at that time was sort of a (laughs) to us sort of we hadn't met him personally but he was kind of famous in the community that we're developing this game together with so I remember when Daniel first met him I was super excited like asking what he looked like and stuff but yeah that was that was fun and then um, of course in 2011 I think Jens joined uh, uh, or 2010, uh, Mojang, and then shortly thereafter, we started talking about publishing a game together, or them publishing us. Mm-hmm. Right, and so how did you have, um, you know, in those, uh, like, 10 years or so, um, how many games did you make? Um, surprisingly few games, but most of them are also unreleased, which is a sad thing, but uh, we've, it was mostly a student-oriented project at the start, where we would have a bunch of different members come and go um, as the years passed and usually they would be um, study mates for, from either Jens or someone he knew 
and we think I think we made maybe two or three games. So it was kind three. of like an educational thing. Yes, it was. Yeah. We did. We were sort of sitting in the, uh, uh, like a special incubator that was supplied by the university as well. So it was very much a university student related. Yeah, extracurricular curricular activity. We were style. we were all basically doing other things on the side, but we uh, before Cobalt we released two games that we sold. Uh, but apart from that, we also, as Daniel mentioned, we did a lot of prototypes and jam games mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's something that's really. Um... I mean, you know, among your circle of developers, including Jens, the whole game jam thing is a really popular idea. Yes, yes, it's a it's a great way not only to get to know other people and have a great time, and but it's also a learning experience. And and you know, when you work with constraints, you suddenly all of it's easier to make decisions and easier to actually start making a game. Apart from when you're trying to make something commercially, you're just get seems like you have oceans of time discussing what to make right yeah. which is what happened with some projects we would discuss a lot yeah uh, make lots of plans and then they would sort of fizzle fizzle out mm -hmm. um, because anything was possible so it was really hard to decide anything yeah when you have like limited time and limited resources to make a game you really have to um kind of give everything you have yes and I think that speaks also to the like independent experience because um you know you are basically still in an independent studio even though you have a publisher now um you're still basically independent. How does that operate like day to day? Like how do you work? I think our working hours are the envy of all of Mojang every day. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, well, I mean, the the, pra the practical side of it, we decide our own working hours basically, which is very nice. Uh, but then, of course, it's the struggle of trying to also make a living of it. And yeah, that's uh, another issue in itself. Right. Because right. Right. You, you might be more free, maybe, but you're also way more vulnerable in the sense that you really can really easily end up at a bad place. And nobody really will save you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you're also lucky now because you have a little bit of a safety net because you got, you have Mojang as a publisher. Like, what what's, yes. what's the role they play? Well, I can speak for what they have done so far, which is that um, they sort of supply us with a lot of assistance in the form of the like expertise and connections and maybe decision making but also they've they were the like key agent in porting the game to consoles they've helped us out with uh, i guess office they've helped us out with uh, um, some level of uh, steam connections even though we actually already had steam connections before we did the mojang publishing part mm -hmm. but it gave you but that kind of legitimacy the, that allowed you to launch yeah. to launch uh you know multiple platforms that way yeah, well, we would not have been able to do that at all without no. that. No, the, the the platform thing with Xbox that was totally or in, in that was Mojang's doing, like the, or setting up at least setting up all the business relations and and talking to the Fat Shark, which was the studio that 
helped us port the game and you know all the all the business side uh, things there and also initially uh the the cobalt accounts were handled by mojang payment solutions pay, yeah mm-hmm. right all and that. So rewinding a bit, how did you uh, start making Cobalt? And for those who don't know, what is Cobalt? Um, well, uh, the game, so the original story is that Daniel used to make a lot of games even before Oxide. I think you started when you were five. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you've been making games all your life. But in around 2001, 2002, you were still making game in a on a platform called Multimedia Fusion. Yes. Which is, what is it? It's like a game authoring tool, you could call it, where it's like um, textless programming, yeah, like where a it's GUI more like eventing. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And you, well, it's like a, you could almost say, say it's like a prequel to Unity without the programming. <laughs> right. I remember, I think yeah. I had like a, a game development camp I went to when I was a kid uh, where we used some version of that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so uh, Donio made a game called Blueface, which was a platformer with a little blue robot running around. And uh, this, well, and I, I think, I mean, it was a pretty sweet game. You, yeah, it, was cool. it, it had a level, like one level and a bunch of enemies and Some loads cinematics. of, yeah, <laughs> loads of secrets and stuff. It was super fun. And I picked it up again, or we picked it up again in 2009. Around this time, we were also like looking for something new to do, and and we one evening just decided like, hey, why not like make a full game out of this? And we were basically we were at a point in the company where we were like, either we're gonna do one final game, or we're just gonna like basically close down shop. Yeah. So we were just oh, we have to make some decision just do something doesn't matter what we do yeah mm-hmm. so at that point you were set on your course yeah yeah so we we started making that and it was called project b for Blueface, and that eventually turned into cobalt and i mean yeah cobalt for those who don't know is a um it's a platformer uh where uh, you're using well with either keyboard or gamepad uh, controllers where uh, I guess there's a lot of things you can say about Cobalt but one of the main uh, <laughs> what should we call it hooks I don't want to say selling points because it sounds so businessy but uh, the game is a lot about timing your shots like you can't aim freely you have to sort of time your shots with auto aim or with rolling and there's also an element of uh, time dilation where if there's a threat coming in towards you time will slow down in a bubble around you so you can sort of gauge what's happening and uh, that way you can also bring up the tempo of the rest of the game um, yeah i guess you could sort of visualize it with two players jumping against each other and time slows down and one player starts rolling, and as they are rolling in the air, like their gun starts pointing in different directions around them, and at some point, that direction is going to overlap the other player, and it becomes sort of like this two f- acrobats sort of mm-hmm. shooting, yeah, it's trying kinda, to intercept each other. Yeah, it's kind of like a mix of Max Payne and Counter Strike, but in two D. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Um, 
but also um, when you jump into bullets while rolling, they are deflected. So that's like another yeah. core element of the original Cobalt, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So it's like it, it, on the surface, it looks like normal gunplay, but you have a lot of those uh, elements really changing things up. How do you um, explain that to players, or how how did you do that initially? Well, we, I guess we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 was our biggest issue, I think. We uh, we we had a tutorial in the original full game release uh but there were so many things to get into and learning curve was quite steep so um yeah we did it through tutorials but i mean that's that's hard for people to get not all everyone you know clicks the tutorial bit or if they see that there's a tutorial bit then that's you know a deal breaker for a lot of people i think right because it's really hard i mean especially for you know uh, like devs with less resources the tutorial probably is not one of the first things on your mind when you're making a game but really it's still one of the most important things when you actually have a game you're selling i think yes i mean the optimal situation is if you have a story mode which we had uh, and you're trying to sort of introduce different elements in a in a timely fashion and in a good pace where the player can just jump in and play the game and learn the game as they go along and we try to do that as well but yeah mm-hmm. we, I guess the, the sort of the pile of things to explain was so big that it didn't really matter how many different approaches we took it it's always there was always something more to explain yeah the thing with Cobalt was that we through the years like we changed changed direction of the game a couple of times that like the 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 biggest shift was um quite early on when initially it was going to be a a, a all-out single player game with a campaign and quite linear story and stuff like that but then we experimented or daniel experimented uh, one day with adding um multiplayer like local multiplayer and that was so much fun uh, that we decided that yeah this is going to be the game uh, that was the first alpha. It was yes. strictly uh, arena local multiplayer. Yes, and but after that we got back to actually doing the single player thing, and so it it was sort of we just crammed everything we had into it <laughs> in the end. Yeah, but yeah. over the course of um the you know, when it was accessible to people, whether you know an alpha or beta, how did you um how much did it change then? A lot. Well, do you well do you want to over the course from, like from alpha from the very first from the um, from the whatever release. play yeah like people outside you know uh, yeah. Could play yeah um, I think some things are actually quite similar but yeah. a lot of things changed and um, mostly we added a lot of things yeah mostly content wise wise like the, 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 yeah everything yeah. came later sort of survival yeah. mode co-op mode yeah like different more basic mechanics were basically there from the beginning but then we developed the story mode we added a lot of different modes for multiplayer and also um, we of course Daniel and Fat Shark uh, spent a lot of time porting the game and uh, it, during that period we also decided or we we actually uh, implemented the online multiplayer as well. Um, it was sort of decided. 
Yes, it was um, sort of decided. It, it was sort of a requirement yeah. um, for porting. Like, if, if we're going to port it, it has to be online, mm-hmm. which is sort of how that feature sort of ended up in the game as well. As right, because otherwise your audience is really limited um, compared yeah, to online. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, But we're happy for online nowadays, but it was quite a lot of work to get uh, a strictly single-player or local multiplayer game to start being online. Oh, yeah, we've had... Yeah. We've had developers on the show who make um, like you know local multiplayer games, and they've never added online because it's like in some cases you basically have to redesign the entire game just the way it works. Yeah. Yes, which is what we did actually. Yeah, in the end. Yeah, and and I think um, there are games that are harder and easier to synchronize when it comes to online, and I think uh, in general one of the hardest challenges is when you have a game where you expect to be able to hit your bullets. Uh, and you also expect to be able to dodge bullets mm-hmm. at the same time. Right. And that paradox will never be uh, solved as long mm-hmm. as you have some kind of like prediction locally. Right. Where you like have instant instantaneous feedback for your input. Right. And you can't use all the tricks that um, you know standard shooters do because they operate really differently. Like the three D first person shooters, which is what's really common nowadays. Yeah. Um, Unity and stuff probably makes that a little easier. But you guys were doing a lot more of that probably netcode from scratch, I imagine. Yes, but also if you're like in a first person, um, dodging bullets is more obscure in a way that you, you don't often see the bullet hit yourself. Right. While here you can sort of like deliberately see, like the, I actually dodged that bullet. So it, it has to show that information, yeah. Yes, it's, there's a different threshold of annoyance i guess you could have yeah in a way a 2d game can actually be harder than a 3d game which is like counterintuitive to some people but when you're talking about you know online every all you have to transmit so much information so quickly yeah Yeah. so how did you build an audience like early on just in that early access period before release how did you generate hype and you know get people excited about the game i think in all honestly that on it on yeah that's probably a lot thanks to Mojang and the like the hype that was surrounding Mojang in those days or I mean I guess still is is mm-hmm. but back then um, you know the a lot of they Mojang got a lot of attention uh, as a company and and as you know individual developers Jens uh, gathered a lot of followers on Twitter and I, I think, yeah, just being connected to Mojang was the initial like boost that we we got. Like, but actually, well, that's not entirely true. Like, we before before we signed on with Mojang, we went to IGF, yes, uh, the Independent Games Festival in San Francisco, and we were nominated in a in a, two one category. one one category, and then we got a. To honorable, honorable mentions. mentions, but um, yeah, I mean, so we, we ended we, up on the show floor. Basically. Yeah, we ended up on the show floor, and we we also like since we've been in the indie games circus for mm-hmm. quite a while, we knew a lot of people, and and a lot of people knew about us, right. you know, amongst developers, and I think that helps spread the word. If, yeah, if you're doing something. Yeah, you were there at a, a really good time because it was like, um, well, yeah, like you mentioned, you'd been doing independent development for a while. This was kind of the beginning of the mainstream indie movement in, around this time, I feel like. Yes. And uh, you also happened to uh, 
uh, well, later on, the Ticket with Mojang, which, uh, guess what? They made Minecraft, and so that's a lot of attention um, on you as well because, you know, there's just so many so many people. Did that kind of attention ever overwhelm you, the association with Mojang? Uh, I, I Personally, I think I find it quite fun, actually. Um, I, I mean, it was quite uh, weird. We, we had... We've had a couple of jams with Mojang. Um, I guess they're called Mojams, or used to be called Mojams. Mm -hmm. And the first one, we, me and Daniel, and <clears throat> I guess it was Friedrich as well. Yep. Yeah, uh, we were uh, making it. We were making a game as Oxide. Mojang were making one game. Yeah. And then there was uh, who was it? Those guys making. Yeah, the Humble Bundle guys basically uh, made a game as well. So there weren't a lot of actors, and we were streaming everything. And one night it was just me and Daniel and Frederick uh, working. Uh, so the whole stream was basically about us. And I remember checking it like everything was streamed from my screen, and I was just surfing Facebook at, at <laughs> that time. And I accidentally looked over to the stream and there were like 10,000 people watching me go through my Facebook and just be like, oh, well, this is interesting. Oh, I wonder where he's going with this. Yeah, but I think the attention was actually a lot of fun. But then, yeah, it also meant that uh, the, the, the uh, so when we released Cobalt, we released it, or when we released the pre-sales, we did it in the same fashion as Minecraft. Uh, which uh, you, know, you know, Minecraft released during Alpha and, and financed the game through that. And we did the same thing, but it also meant that we, we put up a bullet point list of things that we wanted to add to the game. And that added to us, to a sort of stress for us to right. deliver on that. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. And, and yeah, when did you release the game? Um, March last year. Yeah, the full version, but the, the alpha was out in 2012. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And so when you did the you know the real like the release release, how was the reception? Actually, uh, quite amazing. Uh, I mean, a lot of people who were playing the game initially, they were really happy about it and loved a lot of parts about it. And but we also had like uh, you could say a couple of like unfortunate instances where someone would encounter a quite severe bug and get stuck forever and that would sort of yeah. break the game like be depressing for us and, then, yeah. and, everyone. and also it gets people mad at you even though i mean it's yeah yeah, yeah it's and, tough and then when it's especially uh, one especially bad thing was that on the xbox one um we managed to encounter a bug in the engine that we were using uh, the uh, uh Sort of the online part of the engine uh, had a string that it got from the internet service provider, which was like an identifier for the ISP, mm -hmm. and that like uh, variable in the engine was 64 characters long, but according to specification, it was it was possibly to be to be any size, with a variable size, but um, since that was supplied by the ISP. Um, and all the testing we did, like both in Poland, Europe, in England, and Sweden, we never got an issue with that. 
Uh, but when once it was released and they, they were playing it on Xbox Ones in like Western US, I think, uh, there was like one out of six ISPs which had like a string that was 60, 72 letters long, I think, which um, had the unfortunate effect of crashing all clients in the game <laughs> session. That's pretty bad. Yeah, so it meant that if you were hosting a game basically anywhere in America and then someone from that ISP joined your game, it would crash everybody's game. Yeah, which basically meant that online was unplayable in Xbox One for I think a, a month or so. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's rough. Um, that is really bad. Yeah, uh, but your launch um, it went oh I think uh, sort of well like it went all pretty well all things considered. Um, well, consoles are pretty hard to do, but now you're yeah. doing Cobalt Lost, which is like a more uh, PC focused thing as the name implies. Yes. Um, what made you decide to kind of uh, basically redesign Cobalt again? Um, I think the most important reason probably for me is that uh, we didn't really feel that the release of the full game really uh, exhausted the whole the whole value of our what we have created sort of mm-hmm. and I think in general it felt I, I felt that what we had probably created was too inaccessible and too hard to enjoy for people and also we had some sort of uh, I guess development exhaustion where it's like you're creating for three different platforms, platforms yeah. for two or three different controller styles with both like single player story local multiplayer online and co-op and and the uh, yeah, all those things, <laughs> and, and like map editors and everything. It, it just never felt that we were able to focus anything. So you yeah. f- you kind of refined your focus for this by focusing on PC multiplayer, basically. Yeah, so we yeah. just decided like we're gonna remove everything, and we're gonna just gonna do like one control method, one platform, one game mode, one objective, one one like setup and everything. And uh, once, no tutorial, like no tutorial. <laughs> yeah. uh, basically, that's like I, I think the name Cobalt Was is like controversial in itself because it has it has uh, Was in the name, but people with other keyboards. From, yeah, <laughs> people have different keyboards or whatever. But for me, um, it it sort of signals something, which is like if you can read the name of the game like Cobalt Was and understand reference to keyboard, you know where to put your fingers. Right, it tells you first. that immediately. Uh, like it's basically the, the title of the game is the whole tutorial you need. Mm-hmm. Like it's Cobalt Was right. game shoot destroy. So and so how do you pl- your... plan for people to learn about like, oh this is how you upgrade your weapons, this is how you do etc. I think so far um, when we tested it, um, I don't think we've seen people having trouble upgrading the weapons. I think we had it in the first couple of closed beta versions, but as we've sort of iterated the shop and iterated the interfaces for each new version, I think people have started to understand that you can buy things mm-hmm. and how to buy things. And yeah. we're, it's still not like perfect. And we've had long discussions with some of our core community members, which has sort of resulted in the current design uh, of the shop. Uh, but there is also, of course, still space for improvement. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think the the positive thing with making a competitive online multiplayer game 
uh, and especially if you're doing it like you're doing one game mode, one one way of playing with a simple, like a re relatively simple interactions. As soon as it's competitive, people tend to learn quite fast. And it also, I mean, if you have played other competitive shooters, I mean, first-person shooters or two D shooters, you're kind of mm -hmm kind of know how to get into the game yeah it's kind of like you can see the other person yeah if you're in a competitive environment you see you know someone else doing something you'll be like how do yeah. i do that and then you can probably yeah. figure I, that out yeah Especially you, you, you want to get better as well i think our our biggest uh challenge right now is for us to make some for us to make it possible for new players to uh sort of face other new players mm -hmm. uh, just ignore themselves in general. yeah yeah uh, which is, is of course the challenge of any competitive online thing right you, you have to balance everything yeah how are yeah. you how are you approaching um making it like taking player feedback to make the game better in development um i don't think uh, we've had like a single version almost where we haven't taken some consideration from some feedback somewhere it's uh, it's right now we're, we're in close beta and we have a bunch of players that are playing each new version with us and they are usually pretty vocal about uh, what they like and don't like or if they have suggestions about things and uh, i continually talk to them about that in, in our discord and we implement changes accordingly mm -hmm. and how do and you I, I've, I, sorry oh sorry can i continue uh, I think some uh, some interactions I have with them are quite different as well. Like and it's usually quite eye opening. Um, I was playing with one person uh, who was playing with his little brother. I think uh, he himself was maybe 20, 20 something, and the little brother was maybe six or seven, and they were playing together, and. It was very obvious that the bigger brother wanted to play with the little brother and they wanted to have fun but since he wasn't as proficient in controlling the game it was very very hard for him to be competitive in that environment right that sort of made me think like uh, we want this game of course to be fun for even even that scenario where you actually want to play with your like really mm -hmm. not as maybe technically competitively proficient player yeah. So how do you solve those problems? Like where you actually want to play together, and you want you know you're mismatched, but you want to play anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not easy. Like you look at the best games, the best multiplayer games like Mario Kart. Those are games that appeal to you know people who are not very skilled and people who are very skilled. Um, that a yeah. whole range, and that's not easy at all to design for. No. Yeah, definitely. definitely not. So how how long how much more work do you think you have left on Wazd? Um. Well, I think maybe a solid uh, month of just polishing and bug fixing, and then probably like another month of actually a month or two of actually releasing the game. Yeah, like because that's hard as hell. Mm -hmm. Like actually getting a game in a state where you can push the button. Right. Yeah. Because that involves like all the uh, like video materials, your screenshots. You want all the supporting things to work and servers matchmaking yeah yeah we don't have matchmaking right now oh, it's which is one of the core right sort of missing features and 
the more we're testing, uh, the more it just feels like it's might be something we have to invest in. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it's not really guaranteed that we will have it on release. On release. Right now, you're kind of so, thinking of like direct connect to servers. Yeah, we have dedicated servers, so that's super important feature, and we we're hosting sort of like semi-official testing servers for the beta testers Mm -hmm. and our thinking is that like okay maybe we can't have time or or energy to implement a solid competitive uh, matchmaking system but perhaps we can do like um, uh, level capped servers where you have a couple of servers that are marked as like new player friendly where you cannot join the server if you're too high level mm-hmm. right and like high level in this case is like playtime so like a light matchmaking kind of yeah like a like a more like a binary like Filter. beginner yeah. beginner playing here or and everyone mm-hmm. right uh, maybe that because that's like for us te- technically quite easy to implement mm-hmm. uh, while still offering some level of service and hopefully it could create the necessary buffer for us to be able to gauge the desire or the, the uh, I guess, the uh, demand for competitive matchmaking. Right, yeah. If that, if, show, if it kind of like, first of all, the game has to be popular and people have to like it. Right, so kind of to... test it first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how are you approaching like auxiliary stuff, like for example, Mac support, which is, you know, it's still uh, like a PC platform, still has keyboards and stuff, stuff like that. Um, where does that fit in? Um, currently, it's it doesn't, we sort of have, we haven't uh, put out any either like promise or plan for a Mac, Mac version. And that's not due to us not liking Macs, because I, I mean, I myself have a Mac and we did have Mac support a long time ago, but for us, uh, just we know we've been down that path before. Like making a game for multiple platforms is never free, and it's mm-hmm. never it's never just just an added uh, bonus. Like it's not a checkbox. It's not a checkbox. Oh, Unity export the Mac, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe yeah. Especially except if you're in Unity, maybe yeah. Yeah, um, but for us, due to the engine we're using, it's not. It's harder, yeah. Yeah, it's harder. Right. So, it, at this point in the project's life, we just want to end on a high note and like finish something that's really solid, focused, and fun. Mm-hmm. Right. And that delivers the value of the package in an easy, easily sort of consumed way, where mm-hmm. people recognize quite fast what to do, how to do, and how mm-hmm. it works. Yeah, make it simple and get it out the yeah. door in a good way. Get yeah. It out. And if and if a lot of people love it, then we'll have to support it with uh, like the things people want, of course, like competitive matchmaking and right. whatever else we could think of. Yeah. Well, but even if it's it's only like ah, oh, people moderately like it, then I'll still be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I never played the original Cobalt, but from what I've played of Wasp, I can say that uh, looks like you have a pretty good foundation, and I think um, you have a lot of stuff figured out. So I uh, wish you guys luck on that launch. What What do you um, think about post-launch like uh, in terms of um other games or any anything else like what is your studio going to work on um i think games. we we, <laughs> we don't know we we don't know I but think, I, I yeah uh, I, I, at least me like I, we've had we've dabbled a, little, a bit with some ideas and even like 
continued working on some previous jam games and stuff. I think there's not a day that goes by that we don't discuss other game ideas. So I think both of us are just like we we want to play around. But I think we uh, we've learned a lot from Cobalt. Like not only how like technical stuff, but also like it's quite important to limit yourself and also. Uh, not be over optimistic as far as like development time mm-hmm. goes. Uh, I, I personally, I, 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 we've discussed it as well. Like it would be fun to uh, to make shorter projects uh, that are still like quite you know tight and and fun, right. but you know development wise, not as as time consuming. More, yeah, more yeah. games like Cobalt Was that are focused and. Presumably yes. easier yeah. to develop, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to making a game that, that like where the main menu only has one option. Ooh. Except for quit. <laughs> Very minimalist. Yeah. That's yeah, the, that's all the rage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, of course, this is a pendulum that's going to swing back and forth as your developer sort of life progresses. You're going to get tired of making tiny projects at some point, and you want to make something big again. Mm-hmm. But right now, we've been deep down into the big project. Yeah. Bin scaffolding about so now we're trying to climb up and uh, one step on that ladder is making a wasp which is like a, yeah yeah solid simpler solid project. simpler better it's an easier project for us at least more more focused yeah definitely well good luck with that uh to both of you and to your studio um and thank you again both uh so much for coming on um both kenton and Tarek. um and how can people get Cobalt Lost? Well, I guess they can't get it now, but how can they find out about it? And how can they find out about you guys? Well, depending on when this podcast is uh, published, they probably still can get Was if they are interested in uh, helping beta test the closed beta. And to do that, to do that, um, you'll have to join our Discord and ask for uh, participate. Ask, yeah. asked to participate in the beta through a key request. Yes, I, I think there's a link. I'm not sure. Jens made a post on our homepage, oxigames.com. Um, yeah, there's a link to the Discord there. Yeah, and otherwise, the, we could probably send you the Discord link and you could post it. Yeah, or sure. you can post it because you maybe have it. In relation to this uh, yeah. episode. Yeah, sounds good. And people are welcome to just join, join in on the fun, the chatting and... and yeah, the yeah. development of the game. Yeah, yeah. nice to have an open it's, community. I mean, it's yeah. if you're if you're not uh, one to like to beta test things where things crash and bugs appear suddenly, then it's probably not for you. But if you are interested in the it's game, it's not project, super buggy. Though. No, no, it's not. <laughs> but I mean, if if you see a bug and and that makes you uh, perhaps angry, then maybe <laughs> it's not uh, as relaxing as playing other games. Yeah, but if you find it fun to actually have an uh, I guess a, an impact on the trajectory of the project uh, then this is a good mm-hmm. time to do it yeah and if you uh, and if yeah you're one of those people that likes released games or doesn't like beta testing then um, you can look forward to it later this year hopefully yes, yes. yeah uh, well once more thank you uh, Kenton yes. thank you the rec thank you um, and I wish you guys the best of luck and um, Thanks for the time. Uh, and if Thanks everyone, for having us. Yeah, no problem. <laughs>
for everyone watching or listening to this, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, all that great stuff. Uh, and you can follow us on all those things. The links that we mentioned are in the description. Um, yeah, thanks, and see you next time. Bye.